podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what they call it. Uh, the number one podcast on TV and film. Oh, big, big podcast. All right. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Max Temkin. I'm one of the co-creators of Cards Against Humanity. I'm Patrick Klubick, the news editor over at Giant Bomb. Senior news editor. I want to be specific. And uh, this is episode <laughs> two of the uh, Rewatch podcast. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, episode two of Lost, Tabula Rasa. This episode is sponsored by MailChimp. MailChimp is an amazing mailing list software. It's used by over 6 million people and businesses, including us at Cards Against Humanity. Um, there's actually a great little piece on the MailChimp blog about how we use a MailChimp for cards. Um, you can find it if you just Google MailChimp Cards Against Humanity. And our guest uh, this week on the podcast is Harmonix's uh, Eric Pope. So we will talk to him a little later in the episode about his experiences with Lost. Patrick, how was E3? It was good, you know? Didn't think about Lost that much. You get <laughs> lost at E3 a little bit. You, you looked pretty haggard. There was the was great bad. there was the great premium video that uh, Drew shot that sort of shows how Giant Bomb produces all of its E3 coverage. And you looked like one of the like extras on the beach. Like, your clothing was all in tattered. You were malnourished. Well, I started off the week basically as horrible as possible, spending 15 hours trying to do a four-and-a-half-hour flight to get to Los Angeles because of horrible... Uh, storms in Denver. So I basically started E3 four days in before the week had even started. And I actually have sort of a lost story from a previous E3. So when you go to E3, uh, for people that maybe don't know, you probably do know if you're listening to this, but E3 is a big video game convention in Los Angeles. Yeah, we should say E3 is like the huge huge industry show where all the new games get announced and there's the big press conferences and stuff. Yeah, so Giant Bomb goes out there and we do a bunch of live shows and a lot of coverage out of there. And it's in Los Angeles, which obviously is where Hollywood is. And so often you'll see celebrities roaming around E3. Uh, Steven Spielberg is like a mainstay. You'll see him with a big entourage, usually with his kids. He's getting ushered into all the big, cool uh, the demos that, that we can't get into, but Steven Spielberg get into. I guess he's earned it. I guess he's earned it. I mean, I put in my time, too, but, you know, it's okay, Mr. Spielberg. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Um, and Jorge Garcia, who plays Hurley on Lost, he has been there multiple years. Uh, right around the end of Lost, it might have been before the... Cause if E3 is in the beginning of June, that's just after, you know, maybe a couple weeks after the season finale would traditionally be in May, uh, and then the show would usually premiere in September. Uh, there was one year where he was there, and people were just sending me photos of him on, the, like, hey, he's over here now. Now run over to that booth. And I was, I was desperately trying to find him, because <laughs> I have a very specific policy of not talking to celebrities who are trying to go about their day and be normal, because as someone that like, is known on the internet, like, you know, it, most people are pretty respectful, some people aren't, but I also understand personal space, so I also try and realize, hey, I experience a very tiny version of that, I should probably try and respect the space of others, but when it's lost, it's like, fuck that, like, I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna track down Hurley, and I don't care. Uh, I was not able to track him down, though, so um, he, he, he remains my uh, mysterious E3 white whale that I was, I was never quite able to... Uh, impose myself on i saw terry o'quinn one time at the wegmans and white marsh outside of baltimore he was just um shopping for groceries and in my in my <laughs> in my memory something about the mundaneness of that that's just well, very funny so I, I actually didn't realize at first that i it was totally jarring we sort of passed each other and like time dilated and slowed down <laughs> and i was like yeah that guy looks exactly like terry o'quinn it's uncanny <laughs> and then in my memory he looked at me, he turns and looks at me and smiles, and there's just an orange peel in his mouth. But I may be, have exaggerated that slightly. I'm not sure if that's actually accurate. Um, what was Okay, so I kind of tuned out E3 this year. I, I wasn't there doing any video game stuff, but was there... What did I miss? Like, was, what, what are like the, what's like the Cliff's Notes of like the, the huge things, or was there nothing? It's a, like a very boring year for video games. Like, hey, get ready for 2015. Pretty much everything was delayed out of 2014. Why is that? Because, like, all the new consoles are, are out. Shouldn't this be – wasn't – so for a long time, everyone was like, it's a boring E3 this year because the consoles are in, about to be obsoleted. And right. next year, it's going to be great because all the new consoles are coming out and there's going to be this gold rush to get new games to the consoles. Then last year, all the new consoles come out, and then it's like, well, the games are just boring this year because everyone needs time to develop for the new consoles. And then this year, it was great. It wasn't great because everything slipped their deadlines, or yeah, you know, from my understanding, talking to a lot of developers, it's that you know there was some overestimation on console 
hardware, maybe. Uh, so people are kind of coming to grips with stuff like that. It was a good year. Lots of solid games. If you're into Nintendo stuff, there was a bunch of stuff that uh, I was really excited about. But, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff about E3 on some website called Giant Bomb. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I've heard about it. Yeah, I realize this is not a video game podcast. I just am relying on you to explain to me the, the, the <laughs> all the for, news that I I missed. have to write you yeah. a newsletter every week like, here's what happened. Yeah. Um, now you're up to date. Yeah, well, Bobcast is three hours long. I, who's got time I, for that? I don't listen to it. Um, wow. Shocking, That's a lot of time. Shocking admission from Patrick I don't have Puppet. a um, commute. That's the like when I when soon I, to be junior news editor at Giant <laughs> 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 when I've When I've asked people about that in the past, like I've slightly snarkily, like, like it takes a lot of time to record that podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, even like it's fun to do, but it's like an entire afternoon, like prepping, going to record it, taking breaks. Uh, I'm like, who fucking listens to a three hour podcast? People are like, oh, well, I have like you know a 45 minute commute to work every day, and I sit in traffic. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Now that yeah, that's what like normal people do. Most people don't just like sit at their desk all day. I've had flights like like uh I think that I've done the flight from LA to Chicago where like when I sit down in my seat on the plane, I start the bombcast and I try and get home into my apartment in Chicago <laughs> before it's done. Um those are some of the times I'll listen uh beginning to end. That makes sense. Um all right, well let's uh jump into some follow-up from episode 1. Um so we got um a lot of uh Twitter comments and uh emails about people asking how they can subscribe to the show. Um so we do have an RSS subs- subscription. You can just find that at rewatchpodcast.com. It's right on the top. Uh there's a link to subscribe on iTunes, link to subscribe via RSS. Um and I will say it is uh as I've as we're kind of discovering, it is super hard to get noticed uh, as kind of a new podcast. So this is a huge help to us if you subscribe on iTunes and also take a minute to give us just a little review. I guess podcasts have like a little review function, and if you just uh, if you enjoy the podcast and you can take a minute and put a review, apparently um, that's pretty helpful f- uh, for us in the rankings. And like, there's one guy he did it the best. He gave it five stars, and then his comment was "Lost is garbage," which is just fine with me. <laughs> I really don't care. Like if you don't care about the podcast, but you're like, you know what? I think Lost is stupid. You know what? You like us a little bit, like enough to maybe round it up from three to five. Like maybe we're a three. But, you know, you're feeling good today. You've had a couple beers. Like, round it up to five. Like, that's the attitude you should have over in the reviews on iTunes. Um, yeah, and we were we did pretty well, actually. Like, the first episode wound up in the uh, – it briefly hit the top ten podcasts on iTunes, which was really cool. We were right behind, like, uh, Mark Marin. Um, so, apparently – No, he was right behind us is what, you know, you mean to say. We were ahead of Mark Marin. That's right. See you, Mike Mark. Mark. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, yeah, I'm not going to start a feud. Yeah. Like, well, if I start a feud from, because we're clearly not going to be there ever again. So it's like, I, st- I have to start the feud now. Like, with the moment you have power, you need to seize it, even if, you know, it, it's not going to be there later. So I'm coming for you. Oh, Mark boy, Marin. I want to start talking about this episode now. <laughs> we're talking about seizing power. Um, so uh, Renee um, sent us a tweet, and she had a great correction. We incorrectly said that Lost premiered in 2004. Um, but she corrected us. Right? It did premiere in 2003. Um, and it actually, uh, she pointed out, uh, the premiere of Lost is actually the same day that the plane crashes in the show. Oh, that's so so if, if somehow that helps you remember, <laughs> uh, that's uh, there. Um, Daniel uh, sent us an email um, with a great question. He said, um, one of the things he enjoyed about Lost uh, when it was on was sort of the active, you know, talking about it and going over theories and just the back and forth of, of people watching it. Um, so he asked, is there a place where you could have a more active conversation with other podcast listeners? Maybe we could add a comment um, section or forum thing to the website. Um, we didn't start this, but some of the listeners uh, on the Giant Bomb forums have actually started um, a discussion thread about each episode, and they're watching along with us. So if you're into that and you want to sort of have that back and forth with other podcast listeners and follow along, um, we'll put the link in the show notes to the discussion thread on Giant Bomb. Um, the show notes for this episode and every episode are available at rewatchpodcast.com or probably if you're listening on a podcast app, you can see them there. Um, a ton of people wrote in and pointed out our uh, low volume and overall shoddy uh, production values. <laughs> uh, that's mostly, I mean, we recorded for an hour last week, but we spent two hours like learning how to like plug the microphones in and stuff. So why so is GarageBand except multiple microphones? Why isn't this something that's in a 
advanced program in 2014. Yeah, it was very confusing to us. Uh, this week, Patrick's recording on his laptop. He's taken over that, and he actually knows what he's doing. So I, I'm hopeful. Uh, hopeful that we've. Uh, it's fixed a great. All those it's issues. a great way to set me up for disaster. So like when it's all when it's all garbage, <clears throat> you can uh, tweet at Patrick Cupping <laughs> and let him know this week if there are any production issues. Um, and also, uh, just uh, thought it would be fun to give a shout out to our one listener in Saudi Arabia and our one listener in Kuwait. Uh, thanks for uh, listening, guys. That was pretty pretty cool. Or our one listener who's using like a VPN or proxy that's in Saudi Arabia <laughs> or Kuwait. Uh, However, you do the it. Other scenario. We salute you. Um, all right. So I think before we dive into this episode, Tabula Rasa, we were going to take a break and hear our interview with Eric Pope. Three, two, and now we're joined by Harmonix's Eric Pope. I'd say your title, except I have no idea. My title is a product manager, which means almost absolutely nothing unless you are a product manager. I was going to say, like that's that helps the audience <laughs> zero. So we have but, you on, uh, and I'm joined by Max as well. We're both shouting into a microphone. Hi, Max. Hello. <laughs> purposely distant. I was going to uh, say, oh, no, Max sounds terrible again. Well, Max sounds terrible at all times. We're <laughs> just... <laughs> I actually, actually really like the idea of, like, muffling your voice so people then have something else to complain about with the podcast audio. <laughs> I couldn't understand Max. <laughs> well, was, he, was just, he was putting his hand over his face the entire time and just coughing for no reason. <laughs> anyway, we've got, we've got you on. You were watching Lost before we even called you on Skype. Yes. What were you watching? Uh, so I, I'm on pilot part two. Uh, I was hoping to catch up to where you guys were at, but I'm, I'm still an episode behind. We feel like a father. I suppose you have excuses. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. My son pooped as soon as we connected the uh, phone, <laughs> the uh, Skype thing. So, yeah, I use that as an excuse for literally everything these days. God, you'd be if you were on the plane crash with your <laughs> child, you'd be just screwed. So what would you it's, do with a baby? It's funny you mentioned like we uh, Hannah was watching with me as we were watching through the pilot, and she said that's terrifying. But my first priority would be to protect Desmond, uh, who's my son. Uh, and... Oh man, that's great! <laughs> did you do that? Up, did you do that because of Lost? No, we did not name him. Damn! That of Lost, could you, but... you could have just said that for the podcast? I could have said that for the podcast. I was told. Yes I was told not to do that. I was told not to say that. But it, it was definitely part of our decision. Desmond is uh, my favorite character, which is far from where we're at right now in the show, so we won't get into that, but definitely my favorite character. Uh, but yeah, no, a, a plane crash would be <laughs> an absolute nightmare for anyone, uh, but adding a baby into the mix? I don't know, man. Have I don't you, know. Have you thought about what you would do if you were on a plane crash? Like, what would be priority number one for Eric Pope? So as you know, I travel a lot for my job. So you, you thought you've given this serious thought is what you're saying. I have. I think about, I think about it a lot, probably more than is healthy. <laughs> uh, so pretty much, and I've actually had this conversation with a lot of people because people, you know, there's a range of anxieties when you're on a plane for a certain people. Uh, I don't get anxious at all. And for some reason, and it's kind of morbid the more, whenever I talk about it, I actually feel bad. But as soon as I'm on that plane and I'm sitting down, like, Anything could happen. It's out of my hands at that point, so I yeah. don't worry about it. It's like whatever's going to happen is going to happen from this point. And Whatever happened, stress. happened, man. It's just like exactly. Law says. That's right. Uh, so, no, like I, I, uh, I don't have a lot of contingency plans. Just like from this point on, if I'm going to die, my, my, my fate is sealed. Damn, that's both dark and also yeah. thematically appropriate for Lost. Right? Lost is... That is dark, though. It is dark, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, sure. You've accepted your death prematurely. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I'm basically dead. Until I (laughs) land, I'm I'm a dead person. I mean, why not just go one more level of abstraction? I mean, you're basically already dead now, right? On a long enough time frame. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyway, lost. (laughs) We're all dead to certain. Lost is, you know, has a lot of big philosophical questions. You know, it's appropriate on some level. Do Do you remember? When you first started watching Lost, like when did you get in? Were you on the ground level? Or are you one of those season one people that I you know, desperately I, wish I could say I was, but nope. I wasn't? I, I also can't say that. My wife watched the first season, and I would pop in once in a while throughout it and be like, oh, this looks kind of neat. And then for some reason, I just didn't. Uh, and then over the course of the, you know, the turnover from season one to season two, 
so many people were talking about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to commit starting in season two. And that was actually kind of fun because I would have to get secondhand from her. Like, oh, what did I miss? What, what, what's, why is all this intrigue happening around this particular character? And that was actually kind of fun for her to like give me the backstory as she remembered it from the previous season. Uh, so, yes, season two and onward is where I started. Can you get her? Yeah, she's right in the room. I want to hear how she started watching Lost. Sure. All right, come here. They want to hear how you started watching Lost. I'll hold the Get over here. It's just Pat. You've met, you know Patrick. Hello. Right, hold on. I'm, I'm wearing this stupid uh, Call of Duty Ghosts headset that I got from Michael Pactor's party. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hand mean, it over to her so I won't actually be able to hear you guys. You mean so you this... can talk as much smack about me as you okay, want. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, that's right. a great transition. All right, one sec. Hi. Hey. Hello. What's up? I'm Patrick, and this is hey, Max. Hey, Patrick. You know what I call you in my head? I can't wait to know. Patrick Clip-Clop. That's great. Yep. Because <laughs> I can never say your last name right, and I, I like to think of you as Patrick Clip-Clop. I, li- I like the idea that rather than learning the name, just doubling down and dedicating on, on your own interpretation. I think that's, it's like that's so, really good. It's sort of, sort of close to it, right? Yeah, well, you start with a K. Okay. And, and there's another, is, the, is the Clop part, does that also have a K? In my head, yes, clip clop. Okay, mm-hmm. then okay. There's two K's in my name, so you know what? That may as well be 100 percent accurate. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no one's ever going to call me anything but clip clop now. <laughs> awesome. So, awesome. Eric was telling so, us about how you were into Lost originally. So, even rewinding, yeah, awesome. rewinding further before that, like, how did you hear about the show? That is a I have no idea, honestly. I think just, you know, the society. And I'm kind of a, I'm a, I'm a contrarian. So like, cult? Yeah, I think people were talking about it, and I don't like to – I don't know. I always think that's dumb. If people like it, it must be dumb. <laughs> but then I gave it a shot, and it's not dumb. We kind of felt that way about Downton Abbey for a while. For like years, we were like, screw that. But then we gave it a shot, and like, okay, this is actually awesome. Did uh, did Eric tell you we went to Hawaii to see where Lost was filmed? No, I did that, but please tell me about about your trip to Hawaii. It was pretty sweet. We went mostly just to see where Lost was filmed. So you were there too? Yeah, I went for uh, my honeymoon uh, a year and a half ago. And what's great is if you are a Lost fan and you want to go see the shooting locations, so obviously they've torn a lot of stuff down, uh, stuff down now. But they, I had, we had this. Uh, this map that showed the like the GPS locations, and then it had shots from the show, and then like real photographs so that you knew what it actually looked like in real life. So you could kind of line it up on your iPad, and we were able to find you know like different banyan trees where they had you know shot like very like key that, scenes of the show. That was very cool. We didn't do that. We got to go back and do it right. Yeah. We have to go back. We have to go back. <laughs> says, says what, was there like any particular spots that you guys got to go check out? No, but I remember there was also the spot where the T-Rex from Jurassic Park had stomped. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Because there's – yeah, Lost was filmed and locations that were very – that a lot of other – like a lot of other major films that have like, you know, an island setting. Like Jurassic Park, uh, the Gallimimus run, uh, and that is the same spot where they do like tons of walking in Lost. Like whenever Lost needs like, we just got to go over a hill. Like that's the same spot where the Gallimimus run happens in Jurassic Park. Did you hear about all the human bones there? No. no. So, you know, there's that big cliff that's in every scene, uh, like the jaggedy looking uh-huh. side. Yeah. So there was a huge storm a couple of years before we had been there and a bunch of human bones, uh, like all washed down because that's where the kings and queens had been buried and the history of the island. Pretty cool. So it was like, a, yeah, a boneyard. <laughs> that's, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Here, I'll give you back to Eric. Well, let's no, hold on before we let you go, because okay. we may not hear from you again uh, okay. in vague terms, because we're, you know, on our podcast, we're trying to remain sort of like, you know, spoiler free for people that are watching the first time. Cool. Did you or did you not like the way the show ended? Uh, I don't, it's too, that's an emotional question. I have to like go to a few therapy sessions to actually come to terms with that. Uh, I can't say. I honestly, I can't say if I liked it or I didn't like it. It just is what it is. That's you a know? good answer. That's yeah. a good answer. I'll accept that. I'll accept <laughs> that. I'll let you off the hook with that all right. answer. Cool. Good luck with all this. Uh, thank you. Yep. Bye. Oh, hey guys. Eric, what's your, what's your wife's name? I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, it's Hannah. 
Hannah is a delight. I've never met her. Yeah, you'd like her a lot. She's she's much cooler and funnier than me. She's super funny. Yeah. I tell her that all the time. She doesn't believe me. So, Pope. Yes. When you watch Lost, yeah. Like, what sticks out to you? What do you remember? Man, so I was just thinking through a lot of this stuff. Uh, one of the things that occurred to me was it was the first TV show that I personally watched in HD. Oh, and I, it's a really pretty show. Yeah, it's so pretty. And I think that, that like, that's part of how it stands out in my mind is this vivid, beautiful show. Um, I'm really not a big fan of network TV. I know as douchey as that sounds, but like, I'm really not like they're, they're so, they're so you can, they're always like the same, the same premise. And the, the, the actors are never like on par or with like, HBO shows and such. So like Lost really stood out in a lot of ways for me. And I'm and I'm not saying the acting was super great on Lost either by the way, but like it went places that other network shows never did. It took so many ridiculous chances, which is I think why it got such the following it did. Like even the pilot itself still so like I just watched it before you called. Um it still holds up super well as like one of the best pilots I've seen. Like there's crazy action. There's tons of intrigue, like what the fuck's happening. Uh, and it like is pretty riveting for like, and I'm just talking about uh, part one of the pilot for an hour of TV of network TV. Um, but that, that sort of stuff is really what hooked me throughout the, the entire series. And, you know, I, I, there were always those people who the naysayers, um, it wasn't like high, super intellectual television, but I loved that week to week, what's going to happen next, not knowing, even when you're in it, it's like, it's not going to explain what happened in the previous week. Like this ongoing question, I just, it was really unique for its time and still today, actually. Um, I also took it, it, t- it took a lot of uh, interesting chances. I think having a main character uh, uh, to play an Iraqi which was pretty close to uh, 9-11. First season was in 2004. Like... 2003. Yeah. There but I'm go. really glad that someone made the same mistake that we made in the first episode. So <laughs> repeat offender. But yeah, it, yeah. obviously, you know, at that, at that era, there wasn't exactly a whole lot of uh, commentary or allusion to like 9-11. It was pretty taboo. So the yeah. fact that they had someone in the you know, Iraqi National Guard, like that was kind of crazy that they would even yeah. go in that direction. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then just like the format too, which is also, I've seen a ton since is, you know, the flashbacks to each character, you get to know so much about each character, which as the show went along, I don't know if you guys, and and I know we're not super far into it, uh, in the podcast, but like you really start to play favorites and then the ones that you don't play favorites with, if it was like for me personally, if it was a Kate week, I was like, Oh God, come on. (laughs) You're just, okay. Then Max, as we were talking about like getting ready to watch the second episode, he, he watched it and then it was like, God damn it. We got to talk about Kate, which is like, like, but also like, when you're rewatching it and then you have that moment, it's also reflective. You're like projecting the feelings you have from the way that the show sometimes stretched out characters like yeah. way beyond their storytelling capacity. Like, you know, not that Kate wasn't a three dimensional character, but like they tried to make it like five dimensional and then go back again. And they, they like tried to have their cake and eat it too with characters yep. like her and, you know, ultimately kind of ruined, you know, what might've been good about them in the beginning. And to their credit, like, um, there are there are some characters that get dealt with rev- relatively quickly that that you think it, it, it seems like they they learn that pretty quick right so like by season two and three uh, a lot of those one dimensional ones are are out of there uh, so I have to give them credit for that again not to spoil anything uh, and I, I will I will pitch the same question as we close this to you that uh, that I post to your wife which is without saying you know, like, what happens? Like, how do you feel about the show when it ended? Like, how does that sit with you, you know, like, I guess, what, three years, four years later? So what's funny is I remember how I feel about it. I do not remember the details exactly of it, okay. which has got me excited about this whole rewatch. Um, but uh, I was, by the time we got there, I was so along for the ride. Like, give me the ending you want. Like, to the, you know, if I'm talking to the writers, like, Give me the ending that you think fits. And like, 
who am I to say bullshit or not? Like, if you're if you've made it this far in this show with all the wacky shit that happens, and then you're gonna lose your mind over how they're wrapping up all these crazy loose ends, like where how is that where you draw the line like you should have you should have bowed out two seasons ago you know so i remember vividly that's how i feel now if you ask me uh on specific points i could not <laughs> i could not <laughs> for the life of me remember those uh but yeah like uh, it 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 goes weird places and i was okay with that <laughs> cool all right well eric we're gonna have you back on at a later date to do a a full episode recap but uh we were Super happy to to get you in uh, early on the ground floor. Yeah, no, I'm this. glad you guys are doing this. Like, I think I think the time is very ripe for like a little lost resurgence in everyone's lives. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll uh, have you back on again real soon. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, one last thing I didn't mention: uh, my dog uh, is named Mr. Echo. All right. Thanks to uh, Eric and Hannah Pope for talking to us about watching Lost. Um, that was super fun. Um, so Patrick, let's get into Tabula Rasa. Um, I guess the first funny thing about this episode for me is like after reading the show Bible that you linked to in the uh, show notes and they were like so specific of like, it's going to be episodic. You'll be able to jump in any time and every week there's going to be an adventure and like, it's so quick that Tabula Rasa opens and it's like literally moments after the pilot ends. Like there is no break there. Yeah, they, they broke away from what they promised ABC. Like, you know, even, you know, throwing away the mythology stuff that, like, really goes against, like, the show Bible. Uh, they immediately, this is, you know, this is serialized television that, yes, I suppose technically you could jump in and maybe you wouldn't miss, like, broad character changes. Like, it's, it was very rare when Lost would have, like, a left turn with a character. You know, you'd have plot twists that were maybe you know, about the circumstances of the characters, but, like, actual, like, character changes happened, you know, much, much over longer periods of time. But, uh, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about Tabula Rasa is that, like, no, there is no mythology, right? Like, there is no sort of movement on a lot of the major sort of, like, holy shit moments from the pilot. Like, there's no reintroduction of, you know, the dinosaur creature. Like, there's no movement on... Uh, the polar bear. Like, this is very much a character episode. Like, whereas the pilot, part one and two, give you, you know, little slivers of everything that Lost is going to touch on, this was very much a reminder, hey, like, this is a show about characters. Like, this, like, really reinforces this idea that it's a character-driven show, and the reason you're going to care about the weird stuff is not because it's mythology, which I think is what a lot of shows that came after Lost got wrong, was that they went mythology first, characters second, and the reason... Lost inspired such devotion was because you cared about the characters and then the mythology like drove that helped drive that, but it was always about the characters. Yeah, and this I mean this episode I think was a great example of like a lot all of the dramatic tension in this episode was on the island, and I was pretty bored watching the Kate flashbacks, which is maybe starting to hint at some some issues that that definitely will happen with Kate's character in that she's extremely boring. Uh, that we'll see like, later <laughs> in the show. Um, Please hide all of your animosity towards Car- Kate's character development. Uh, yeah, man. She had some good... Re- Actually, Kate has some good moments that I'm very fond of in the first season. Um, but uh, uh, there's some, some, some really nice uh, bits with Kate. But yeah, boy, her flashbacks, problematic right from the beginning. Well, they try, um, and, they try and portray her as this badass, right? And that, you know, she's right. this woman that can stand on her own, which, you know, in a network television show from 2003 is cool. Like, there are a lot of, like, really progressive attitudes expressed in Lost, and I think this was one of their ways of doing that. But I just never quite bought it. You know, I, yeah, I, and, I, and I think they, you know, they, they undermine her, you know, not without getting into spoilers, but, like, you know, she's also used as a chess piece between characters in the show um, in the very traditional sort of, you know, love story, like, in, you know, there's a, there's a love triangle that in, involves her that is predominant throughout the series, and they kind of undercut her and what she could have been uh, pretty early. I mean, obviously, if Lost was the original way it was going to be, where Kate was the main character, you know, maybe it would have been a little bit different, but I don't know. Like, you, yeah, a lot of this first episode with her, that focuses on her is you start to, if you've seen the whole series have this sense of like, man, they really, they mine this exact same emotion and 
backdrop for Kate's character like a million times in the series. It works pretty well the first time and probably the second or third times that I can remember, but it really felt like they didn't they went back to that well, you know, like eight or ten times uh, throughout the development of it. Um, let me ask you a Kate uh, backstory question before we get into more of, of what's going on in the island. Um, do you think, having seen the whole show, that at this point the writers had kind of decided what was going on in Kate's backstory completely? Like they decided what her crime is? Because, like, all you know, I remember seeing this for the first time. All I wanted to know was, like, what did she do? Why is she a convict? And it was surprise. It was actually surprising to me, and I and I enjoyed a little bit that they they didn't. You know, they kind of defied the convention of like wrapping it all up at the end of the episode. Like, you don't find out what Kate did. Um, but but do you think, looking back on it, that the writers kind of knew or that they were like, ah, we'll figure it out later? Well, I mean, if you read the Bible, which the Bible, like the, the show Bible, and you should not read that if you haven't uh, seen the show. There are elements in there that will give away, especially for the first season, uh, a little too much about some of the tricks they end up uh, deploying in the plot. But in the show Bible, they they more or less kind of lay out that they don't, quite know what that is yet. And, and I think that's smart, right? Like, you don't necessarily want to box these characters in too much. You want to see how the audience reacts, like what elements of the character the audience reacts to, like what, you know, they mentioned, like, in the Bible a bunch of times, like, the first season is where a show figures out what it is. And yeah. I think they were trying to do that with some of the characters, and they remain deliberately mysterious because, you know, wh- you know what exactly does that mean? Because obviously her development on the island may then relate to what they want that to, you know, because obviously she'll have some fatal character flaw that is the reason she's acting the way she she is on the island. Well, it just it just really gets to the core of, like, the problem with Kate, of, like, they want the drama, a lot of the drama on the island in this episode comes from certain characters knowing that Kate's a convict and then having strong reactions to that. You know, Hurley is, like, scared and runs away from her, and Jack has that, <laughs> which is a great scene. Yeah, the, the, Jack- mo- the moment when he's trying to explain, when Hurley's trying to explain to Kate, like, what exactly Jack is off doing, and then he just yeah. runs off. Like, is a like, so good. Jorge Garcia like plays it terrifically, and like just having a character like that that just plays the scaredy cat like works really well for the show. Yeah, and uh, such a great proxy for the audience too. Like, I, I yes. like it constantly puts you in that frame of mind of like, man, this is this is totally my experience if I was on this island. Like, I I don't have any like awesome survival knowledge to contribute to the group <laughs> um but i think they're just i mean it really got to the issue of like so the, the the drama on the island at this point needs kate to be this sort of scary convict type character but you know as the audience like if you're going to be watching her backstory and learning about her like you, the writers can't have her ha- can't make her have done something that bad right she can't be like 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 you know, Walt from Breaking Bad, like, and then be in a plane crash because right. her, her character wouldn't be relatable in like a big network drama. So I just can see how they're already boxing themselves in of like they're going to have to find a crime where this marshal was so intense about you know capturing her and he 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 wakes up from his you know coma and he's like where is she she's the worst which like you know in a in a series that largely had pretty decent acting um, even from you know guys like Matthew you know Matthew Fox. I think definitely struggled over the course of that show to play sort of the lead, but I think he did a, a pretty good job at that. But that that Marshall is like the definition of like cheese and be like it's super so, hammy. It's it's super hammy and isn't justified by what we see by Kate, right? Like so, what yeah. we see in her backstory in the episode does not portray like some horrendous monster that went on a shooting spree that would then inspire someone to be like, you gotta you gotta watch this girl. Like you don't know what she's gonna do. Like nothing about what you see and even. You know, knowing how it plays out, they never do justice to that sort of initial response. And it seems like, you know, it plays into what they're trying to do, right? Like the whole theme of the the episode and, you know, what Jack ultimately, you know, says to Kate when she decides that she wants to confess to what her crimes are is that, you know, you can start over on this island. But you wouldn't be able to actually start over if she was like some serial murderer. Like that's they're, – they're more, they're more or less trying to – like talk to the audience at that point and say like, hey, like haven't you had mistakes in your life that man you'd go back and change? What if you could be on a place where none of that mattered? Which is a really appealing theme that I'm not surprised they went to early because I think that's something that just about anyone could relate to. Well, and you need to. I think you need. To, yeah, I totally think that's what's going on. And then you know, it also free. It, it creates an interesting scenario where like you are allowed to. 
invest in characters that don't necessarily want to get off the island so that you can continue to have the story of the show where you as the audience are not just going crazy waiting for them to like you know build a boat out of coconuts to like sail away or you know some sort of crazy <laughs> gilligan's island scheme um so that was the other that's another thing i i really took away from this um episode that I love is I love in the early days of lost the survival stories that they did so compelling and so well done. So like when they come uh, down from their hike and Saeed kind of like gets up on, uh, you know, soapbox or whatever. And he's like, we're going to split into three teams and one team's going to, you know, get the, the, all the electronic equipment we have. One team's going to get the water. Like that was just, I'm fascinated by that. Like, that's so cool. Like, what do you do? Like, you know, what are your priorities? Well, you got to have water to drink. You have to have, you know, th- there's a the great scene with uh, um, Sawyer and Jack uh, in the in the the fuselage of the plane. Yeah. Um, where, oh, well, where he's Sawyer collecting, says collecting booze and cigarettes and Playboys. Yeah, and Jack seems like super altruistic, right? Of like, oh, I'm getting the medicine to help the guy, and Sawyer's like, well, that guy's dying. How many pills are there, right? Like, it, it's such a great like Lost is is it, it's really kind of mining all of the great little bits that it can out of this building building a, a camp and you know having that survival fiction like that just really appeals to me like i think that's a great story um and well and it's it also makes... you know it speaks to like the origins of the show right like i mean lost was originally hey look at survivor what if we turned that into serialized like written television as opposed to a reality show yep. and you know they they kept that stuff like they they maintained well, that to and some, like to some degree because like at least the, at least in the first season oh the first season is great the second season is pretty good but by the end of the show they're like walking across the whole island in a day <laughs> and you never see anyone eat anything and it's like it's just they completely lost that element of like you are in the jungle and it is not you know particularly hospitable to like a bunch of tourists who crash on a plane well like, I think that speaks to you know the direction the show started taking once. You know, we're, we're at a very early stage where the mythology is not that important. Like, what the island is, the, the island's place in, in the story, like, as that became more predominant and what the island's relationship with is to a lot of things, like, that's that's when that stopped being... Because also, like, how many times can you do a story about them finding water, right? Like, you can only relate oh, God, to it, like, a, once. The, there's a little bit later that I cannot really say anything about, but it involves how the people on the island get food. And one of the great angry things about how lost ended that they never they never resolved that you know oh what I'm yeah no I, I know i mean god like yeah just just say that one <laughs> just tell me i know we're not gonna get everything but ah uh, okay uh, anyway moving on um <laughs> let's see what do we have here oh uh, uh just another kind of picking up on a theme we were talking about last week like there was they, they decide right at the top of the episode um the people who who had gone to test the uh, transceiver decide well we're gonna like lie to the whole group um, it was sort of interesting in this episode, like Saeed was kind of leading the survivors. Like he was very much in, he, yeah. was, he made the decision to give Kate the gun. He made the decision to lie to the group about the transceiver. He's standing on the box, giving everyone orders. Uh, and I thought that was, um, interesting because the show was really following like a conversation of, uh, the Jack and Kate are having and Sawyer yelling out orders is kind of happening in the background of their conversation. Like it's not the main focus. Yeah, and, and you start to get that dynamic that is sometimes frustrating as an audience member and that Lost, you know, over its course uh, would play into, I think sometimes frustratingly, is that through the background, uh, so the flashbacks, you're getting a lot of information that, you know, the characters on the island don't know, which makes for, you know, that scene where Kate is given the gun, you know, you're all of a sudden you're like, what, the f- what are they doing? Like, you, this is the last person you should be giving the gun to. Mm-hmm. And yet that's this moment where you're realizing, okay, like this is going to be a show where I'm going to know a lot more than the characters on the island do. And I think that leads to some really fun places because it makes everything like, you know, it's kind of like the whole Hitchcock thing of like, you know, you know, like having a bomb underneath the, you know, like the table during a, during a conversation. Like you have a lot of information that's happening. So you add your own tension to the scene as an audience member, even if there's nothing tense happening. 
you know, mm-hmm. like, and that happens a lot in Lost with the amount of information that you end up getting through the the flashbacks. Well, th- this was something maybe I was going to save, um, but I, I guess this is that's actually like a great re- good, good good segue into this. So I had an amazing conversation with the author Pat Rothfuss. Um, this is a, like a month or two ago, and we were talking about the show True Detective. Um, so True Detective is a you know it's a crime show, detective show on HBO, kind of a procedural, but it's a real weird procedural, and. Um, True Detective was uh, it, it, throughout its run. It was sort of hinting at like a greater mythology, and maybe there was some H.P. Lovecraft in there, and there was some weird jumping through time periods. And it was like it felt to me like I, I was reading into it, sort of like how I was doing when I watched Lost. This whole fantastic world where there was all this like stuff happening behind the scenes, and you know there was going to be this great mystery. And I was really disappointed because although True Detective was definitely one of the best TV shows of the year, and it had it was beautifully shot and beautifully produced beautifully acted like I can't say a bad thing about it in the end it was just a detective show and it was just this very suspenseful procedural detective show with with great production Um, so I was talking to Pat Rothfuss about this and Pat said well you wanted true detective to be a mystery and it wasn't a mystery it was a thriller the difference is a mystery as the audience you are always one step behind the protagonist so Sherlock Holmes is mystery right you're as the reader one step behind Sherlock Holmes and if you're careful enough as the reader in a mystery the clues of a good mystery are in the book so Mm -hmm. in Sherlock Holmes if you read a Sherlock Holmes story all the clues are there and if you carefully read the story, you know, if you read uh, 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 Sherlock Holmes' mystery, at the end, when Sherlock solves it, you could have figured it out. The Harry Potter books are another great example of that, of, like, they are true mysteries in the sense of the mystery of every Harry Potter book, those clues are in the book, right? So, like, uh, uh, finding out about the um, the the Philosopher's Stone at the end of the first book, you Harry sees that on the trading card on the Hogwarts Express, right? Or like so in, uh, in this, there. you know, the Sixth Sense when you discover that, you know, uh, uh, you know that that he's a ghost the entire time. You go back and notice that every scene that he was in, there was red. So yes. red was the red flag that, hey, ah, like stuff's going on here. So all of the suspense in a mystery comes from you being one step behind the characters, and the characters in the end are going to figure everything out, and there's going to be this big reveal. Um, whereas True Detective turned out to be a thriller. And in a thriller, you are always one step ahead of the protagonist. So you always know what's going to happen before the protagonist. You get to see them figure it out. So a thriller is like, don't go in that room. I know what's in that room. It's going to be terrifying. It's like, you know, every horror movie. It's True Detective at the end where he's finding the Yellow King and he's going through the maze and you know what's going to happen. You're freaking out. Um, And, you know... That dichotomy of like the thriller mystery dichotomy, that's lost in a nutshell for me. Of I wanted that show to be a mystery. I wanted to be one step ahead of the protagonist. So in the end, there was the mystery. And if I was the careful viewer and I placed all the clues together, I could have pieced it out. But the show was smarter than me and it built this mystery. And when right. the characters figured it out, I'd be, holy shit, I wish I figured that out. It lost in the end. It was not a mystery. It was a thriller. And all the tension in Lost comes from you, the viewer, being one step ahead of the protagonist. And that's why you get the, like you're saying with Kate and the gun, to bring it back to the thing you said an hour ago, that's why that scene is so great. It's because it's like Lost knows that it's being a thriller. You know that Kate's the convict. The other people don't know. And you get that great little moment of tension and that great little, like, creepy music sting the minute she gets the gun. Uh, and you get you know what's going on where, and the characters don't and that should have been you know for people like me who are wanted to watch this show as a mystery and pe- put all the pieces together those little moments should have been you know that that's the stuff I should have been savoring instead of I think I think waiting for you know everything to to connect in the end yeah I think those are you know may not have seen that at the time but end up being red flags in the show in retrospect when you see stuff like that and you're like oh you know Lost did really communicate what kind of show it was pretty early on and up front. It doesn't mean that, you know, the producers in the show, the marketing of the show didn't lean really heavily into a different interpretation of what the show was. And it's not like the show didn't play into that hand, but it was always sort of a thriller, a character-driven show, and the mythology was just sort of like the sprinkling on top to motivate the characters to move from point A to point B. And, you know, I think that's where, you know, a lot of the tension comes from how the show played out was what kind of show did you think you were watching? And the show tried to do it all, and I think that's where people feel betrayed is they really did feel invested in one version of the show when they were kind of watching a different show all along. 
So uh, kind of along these lines, we pulled out. So Patrick and I went uh, back to the websites that we were reading when Lost was on. So for me, that's uh, something awful forums. Uh, and for Patrick, that's uh, Gaff. And we sort of started pulling out uh, some of the fan theories from when Tabula Ross was on the air. <laughs> so real quick, we should probably explain what these are. W- what is Gaff? So Gaff is uh, the Gaming Age forums. It's uh, If you're in the gaming community, it's called NeoGaff now. But it, it comes from an old video game website called gaming age and it had a forum and these forums kind of took on a life of their own and like a lot of forums uh people develop communities and there is the reason you are ostensibly there which is for video games but gaming age like a lot of others had off topic and so i didn't actively participate in a lot of these threads plus i didn't start watching the show till uh the summer between season one and season two uh, but people have collected all of these threads and they're still you know up and accessible and it's, it's fun to go and watch and see what were people already trying to pick out about the show. And in some ways, be kind of surprised that people had picked up on, like, really grand themes that were important from beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah, the one, the one that I was reading when Lost was on was uh, Something Awful. And there's, like, a, like a, like a sub-forum called the TVIV that, that was – that I actually still go on the TVIV occasionally – um, if I'm watching something really great, but it's kind of like a real time. What's fun about TVIV is it's real time. So when I watched Lost when it was on the air during the commercials, you'd load up the TVIV and you'd see everyone like in real time as the episode was on talking. Oh, about that's it. really cool. It was super, super fun. And it really, I got this feeling of, of, I mean, very early on before that was so commonplace, I got this feeling of like, I'm watching this with people like, and we're talking about it. It was very exciting. Um, you know, a little bit of that, I, I hope we're, we're kind of recreating um, with the, uh, uh, with the podcast. Um, but let's get into some. Let, let's read some of these great uh, theories that we we pulled out. What was your uh, What was your favorite one, Patrick? Uh, let's see. All right. So I was looking through the original sort of like pilots, part one and two, and now I'm pulling up the. Let's see. Okay, so that's that one. Now this is Tabula. No, which ones? These threads are these threads are not titled very well. Can we go back and edit them? So that All right, I'll do. I'll buy. I'll, I'll bail you out. There's an a, 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 an apocalyptic storm uh, lost <laughs> lost island style storm happening right now. I I, I don't know if that's uh, coming through on the uh, recording, but um, oh, this thing. I feel like the the power is going to go out at any any second here. Yeah, it's a you know it's, it's like just like sirens, lost. Like you know, outside, rain yeah. rain just starts happening and you can, you can't predict it. Yeah, guys, is this normal? All right, uh, so what did I pull up here? Um, this was a great one. Uh, Locke is a bit of a question mark. Some prefer to call him Orange Guy. And then the comment immediately under it, sorry, who's Locke? I'm trying to think who Orange Guy would be, but I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one, this was like an early conspiracy theory. I very distinctly remember this one, um, but someone said uh, uh, in the pilot, talking about the pilot, the monster sound could be heard when the plane was going through turbulence. Uh, and I remember that theory endured for a long time, and I think that was one that on the, on the um, uh, Lindelof Q's podcast they, they debunked. They said that was not uh, intentional. Well, I mean, that was something that happened all the time in Lost, was once a theory sort of became predominant, then you went back, you know, you did exactly what you said you wanted from the show and something like True Detective, where you would go back and be like, oh, they were seeding this all along. And that is something they started doing as the show went on, but especially in the first season, like they didn't know where those seeds were necessarily going. So people started ascribing sort of authorial intent to teasing when there was nothing there. But that was also like the huge fun of Lost was while some people felt betrayed that that stuff wasn't there, the fun of being betrayed, I felt like was also part of the fun of Lost was just like, oh, this has got to mean something. This shit means something. It's like, nope. Like, because then, you know, the show became a series of red herrings. Like, this is one of the first shows I can remember, and I can't think of another show that, that people have done it to this degree, where during the show, people would be doing, like, screen captures. And then, like, they'd be sharing that and be like, Dude, this photo means something. And like, oh, and then the, I mean, the classic move on something awful was anytime someone screen capped like a note or a, anything where there was like the character was looking at it. Yeah, they would go in and Photoshop the Casey Green uh, dick butt uh, picture <laughs> in there. I'll I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I'll find some of my favorite photoshops. Um, here's another good one from something awful. I just noticed this one at the top of the episode. Uh, someone, without seeing the episode, someone saw that the title was Tabula Rasa, and they said. I'm betting Tabula Rasa refers to Kate getting a clean slate after the Marshal dies. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, Isamu, in this thread, time to predict the first cliche. The black guy will end up banging the Korean girl. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 
Did, was that after this episode? Yeah, this is okay. after after the episode it aired where there's the scene where Michael uh, comes across Sun and uh, she, you know, is is topless. And yeah, yeah. They start they start putting in a lot of. You know, Sun clearly has a little more going on than she is letting letting on. Like, mm-hmm. there seems like there's some tension between her and and her husband. And Michael seems like he's going to be the source of additional tension as the series plays out. Um, if only because, like, you know, there's the moment in the pilot when you know Sun has to button up her mm-hmm. shirt. So obviously, this other <laughs> crew member finding her with her her shirt off probably not going to go over very well. Yeah, that's a super fun part, um, too, of, of, I think, that was handled really well in early seasons of Lost, is, like, I love that there's not, like, a clear, like, A story and B story. Um, I mean, there is an A story, but there's just a lot of, like, kind of texture happening in the background and a lot of, like, you know, characters running into each other and seeing the web of relationships form. Like, in later seasons, I think episodes more clearly have, like, an A A story and a B story. And it's kind of to the detriment. Like, I I like seeing the crazy web of characters, and you get a flavor of, like, you know, it's not a a Sun and Jin episode, but it's like, oh, yeah, these guys, remember them? They still exist. Like, don't don't forget about them. Like, they're part of this this, uh, this scene. Well, that's the thing about uh, Lost is that, and you see this established, like, up front in the second episode, like, they try and make all the characters equal. Like, obviously, there is, you know... Some characters become more important for for different reasons, but like you remember that main cast like almost you know equally, especially early on. They really go out of their way to be like all of these characters are worth caring about. Like yes, Jack is the leader type, but he's also like a flawed leader type, and um, that's one of the things that I think stands out so much about the show is it's not like a you know a twenty four or something where like it's all about Jack Bauer. Like you know right. all the other characters are are needless; they're replaceable. You know, occasionally one or two stick, but by and large, you're really just here to watch the Jack Bauer Power Hour, and that's not that's not <laughs> lot. So what it used to be called? That's what you used to call it, the Jack Bauer Power Hour. Because uh, I used to be super into Twenty Four too. I still watch it, but it, it's sad. It's not good. Anymore. Oh, it's back, right? It's back. Yeah, and Jack it's not is good. Back. It's well, it's okay. Okay. It's. I think that's just the nostalgia speaking. Uh, like, if they brought Lost back, I'd watch it, too. 24 was a show where every once in a while I would see an episode, and it made no sense. I was deeply confused. Jack, he was, like, shooting heroin at one point. Like, the season three. Oh, God. It was so bad. It never seemed good to me, but nah, I don't know. I've never really seen it. Maybe, maybe we'll rewatch that next. Season, we'll just jump into season three of 24. We'll just jump, let's watch the worst season of 24. Yeah. Well, did he have, like, a daughter? Yeah, uh, Elisha Cuthbert. Did not care for her in that show. Yeah, she, well, they used her in poor ways, let's say. Maybe not her fault. Um, did you, do, you have, do you want to do a couple more uh, There's fan, a lot, like, a couple there's more fan the, these, these gaff threads are, so it's interesting, like, if you, uh, if you skip to, like, you know, like, eight episodes in. Then you start seeing it, like, start going to, like, multiple pages, and, like, people are starting to kind of get into it. Right, like, so these, we'll... these early threads are just, like, a band of, like, a couple of people going, like, hey, like, you should pay attention to this show. Because, you know, also remember 2003, network television was not something to give a shit about. You know, obviously there was HBO, there was Showtime, there were some, like, some things were happening where you were supposed to care about television over film, but, like, the idea that... You know, an audience that's on a place like Gaff or something awful should care what's happening on ABC. Like, I would probably tell someone no. Like, I don't believe you that this show was worth watching. And I think, you know, Lost is one of those shows that was such a rolling thunder where, like, you know, the season would finish, everyone's going crazy about it, and then you would spend the summer marathoning it to get ready for the following season, which is, like, what I did with my wife. It was, like, we, I watched that first season, then we started dating, and I was like, look... I'm going to be talking about this show a lot. You, I don't care if you like it, but we need to watch this show. <laughs> and so I got, then I got to rewatch the first season with her, and it was awesome. Um, but you can see this, like, even into these threads where people are, like, it's starting to snowball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the so the sort of thinking about how they handle, like, all the background characters and, and where it is at this point, too, like, I'm also starting to see, I mean, this is sort of part of the, like, undoing, I think, of Lost for me and, like, where it falls flat is, like, you know, it's built, it's putting in the beginning so much equity into these great characters, you know, you Hurley and Sawyer and Son and Jin and people, and so 
few of them are like the show invests in in the long term and like continues to like find exciting new things for them to do like they sort of become these like one note like cut to them to give their, their they end up one becoming reaction. archetypes like even though they start out with like a lot of dimension but it's just right. it's you know it's the it's the problem of a, a show that goes on for an extended period of time without having given original thought to the depth of those characters that they become parodies of themselves because they just become plot devices. Yeah, like we need we need a character to be an antagonist. So, well, Sawyer uh, get throw out some nicknames. There's well, there's such, there's such a thrill in these early episodes to a sort of a sort of a I think it's sort of just a storytelling convention of like you know it's just this plane full of people and then they crash on the island and suddenly we you know you're going to take the time to like hear these people's stories and they're going to become these fully realized characters and and there's that like oh it turns out everyone's like a human being and they all have stories. That's sort of one of the early points I think of like the first season of Lost and to me that's like the whole imagery of the airplane that that, that stays as part of the show as so important as part of the show um, but it just it's never yeah they never fully commit to it and like I've been um, I'm watching season two of uh, Orange is the New Black um, mm-hmm. have you seen that at all I've watched most of the first season. Okay. So but it employs a very similar yeah, convention to Lost. It's so much better to me. Like the I mean, I mean I, I don't wanna you should you should keep going into season two. Um and that that is just a show that it's like constantly surprising me with characters. It is const it is actively defying you. Like when you think a character when you're like, Oh, they're like a, a D you know, B character, a right. C list character, like suddenly like how they come out of nowhere and you're like oh my god it's that person and they become a key player in the plot like it is actively messing with your expectations um and that's always sort of i, I always it, it wanted that that fun and lost like i wanted lost to have more fun with those other like in the show they i think they didn't they call them like the shoes the characters in the background the, well, the yeah, sort of that, background so like characters. that's the, the weird yeah. thing about lost is that you focus on these what like 13 15 main characters right but you constantly see that obviously there are like three times the number of survivors and they're mostly just there to be expendable like they want to make it seem like there's a larger crowd but none of those characters have any meaningful impact on the stories i I feel like they there must have been sort of like a lost equivalent of like what was was star trek called like red shirts oh yeah yeah i I think they called them shoes on lost but maybe was it okay i I, might have been that but i'm sure there must have been equivalent because you know like you know when deaths occur on lost and stuff like that but and they want to give weight to a scene, but they don't want to kill off a main character. Like, well, just bring in a couple of those guys because they never quite say how many people survived, I don't think. So they kind of give themselves some leeway on, you know, some of the drama if they want. Okay, I think that is a good place for us to break on uh, Tabula Rasa. Um, next week, we are watching Walkabout. Um, for me, Walkabout is, if, if it's not the best episode of season one, it's got it's like top, top two or three for me. Um, it's a really she, special sheer, episode. It, it's one of those amazing episodes that combines, begins to do this amazing thing that Lost does a number of times throughout its uh, its run is combines myth, a, a mythology reveal with an incredible character development that completely transforms your understanding of the characters, what the potential of those characters are in the place they are, and the interactions they can have. Like it's. They do some like ah, oh, just yeah. I yeah. Just, I want to like say if you, it. if you like that gimmick of like oh, you thought this guy was just like a B class character, but it turns out that he's a human being with a you know with a full story. If you like that gimmick, like boy, this is a good episode. Like this is one of the all time great little stories like that, and uh, super super enjoyable. Also, I will say the first like three minutes of Walkabout, so the opening like before they show the lost title, mm-hmm. the best got to be the best opening of the best like cold open of any tv show of any episode of any tv show like it just will always the the sound editing and the specific lines of dialogue and just the crazy uh, uh, it's so good anyway uh we're gonna watch walkabout <laughs> we're gonna talk about watch it. it twice i'm so excited to watch Walkabout. i cannot wait to see it yeah we're gonna talk about it uh uh next monday on the podcast um, as always, the show notes for this episode are available at rewatchpodcast.com. We'll put all of the, the things that we talked about. Uh, we'll put the links to the Something Awful threads and the gaff threads. Um, thank you again to Steve Fabwash Kim for our amazing uh, podcast artwork. It isn't, uh, a lot of people asked if it was sort of based on uh, the, the Splunky. It totally is. It's sort of a play on the, the, um, the, uh, the Fabwash artwork for the Splunky with Scoops feature. Um, and uh, uh, kind of a nice little reference to one of Patrick and I's uh, favorite games. 
Uh, thank you to Dose One for our theme music, uh, our amazing, amazing theme music. You can check out his work, including his ringtone of the month, at doseone.bandcamp.com. Uh, and uh, thank you to you guys for listening uh, and uh, subscribing and getting us into the uh, top 10 podcasts uh, on iTunes. We will talk to you next week. You know what I call you in my head? I can't wait to know. Patrick Clip Clop.